Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the 10th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Education for Heart Warriors, and we have a great show for you today. Today's show is One Heart Warrior's Educational Experience Down Under. Megan Tones was born with a congenital heart defect, or CHD, and had surgery at four months of age. Her first surgery was a pulmonary artery banding, followed by a ventricular septal defect repair at five years of age, a right ventricular outflow tract reconstruction, or RVOT, at age 10, and mitral valve repair at 25. At age 29, Megan had a catheter ablation. Growing up in Australia, Megan knows what it's like to have a heart defect in school, as well as the community at large. While her condition is currently stable, this 34-year-old heart warrior also has to see a pulmonologist for lung insufficiency. While there are no surgeries looming in her future, Megan is moderately physically limited. Today, Megan will share what it was like growing up in Australia with a CHD and how she feels that her experience of the educational system as a heart warrior is just as relevant today, and she'll share some advice with us about what she has learned. So welcome to the show, Megan. Hi, Anna. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking to you in Australia. I love how the internet allows me to connect with people all over the world. Yeah, yeah, it's so wonderful. Well, let's talk about when you had your heart defects as an infant and as a small child. Did you have all of your heart surgeries and procedures in Australia? Yes, I did. I grew up in Brisbane and I've had all of my care at the Prince Charles Hospital. So I was really lucky as a baby. My mother realized when I was six days old before I went home from the hospital that something didn't seem quite right. I was gaining a lot of weight, but getting really tired out with feeding and not feeding very much. So the math just didn't add up there that I was gaining weight and not taking much in. So that was the first sign that there was a problem. And so I think what happened was that I was moved to the Prince Charles by ambulance and they did some investigations there. And so I spent probably about the first four months of my life in hospital, pretty much. Oh, wow. My mum was there as much as possible. She Mm -hmm. told me that she would feed me with an eyedropper. Oh, wow. So that I could get enough to eat. Yeah, yeah. And she's very creative, my mum is. And 
she has a quilt that she made when I was in hospital, so she would stay there with me and work on this quilt and keep an eye on me. So, yeah, yeah, I guess the first few months were were very tough for mum and dad and for me as well and my older brother, of course. So you do have an older brother. I was wondering, is there anyone else in your family who has a congenital heart defect? No, no, not exactly, although we did find out something interesting my mum was chosen to be a research participant on this big project about women's health and part of that project involved getting an echocardiogram and they actually did find a very small hole in her heart but it was something that was only picked up because she was part of that program. She didn't actually have any symptoms. So I don't know if that's the same as a congenital heart defect, but that's the only thing that's come up in our family, apart from myself, of course. So have they decided to just ignore the hole in the heart since she say symptomatic? I think so at this stage. I'm not sure if they're, they're going to sort of worry about it, but it's always good to know these things. Sure, absolutely. And so your older brother is fine. He doesn't have any heart defects. Do you have any younger siblings? Yes, yeah, I have a, a younger brother who's eight years younger than me and I know before he was born they did a ultrasound and checked his heart and they didn't pick up anything which was very fortunate and he's heart healthy as well. Wonderful, that's just wonderful. So why don't you tell us about what you're doing right now? Are you married? Are you a parent? Do you work? Oh, right now? Yes, I'm doing a lot of things. I've been married for, oh, I lose count of how many years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have to, have to do the math. I think it's 13 years this year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So there's that. And I've got four little dogs Aww. who keep me very busy. They're lovely little fox terriers. If you're on my Facebook, there's quite a few photos of them on there. So We'll have to make sure we have some of those in your slideshow because oh. they're your fur babies. So you got to have fur baby pictures in your slideshow. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, so we've had them all for about nine years. They came from the RSPCA. So I feel very much like I'm the pack leader in my house. <laughs> I'm trying to keep them all under control. Absolutely. And I also work as a researcher with three different universities on some education and health projects. So all of those things keep me fairly busy and, you know, I, I try to have a bit of work-life balance, but if, uh, that can be a bit difficult sometimes. Absolutely. So you are keeping super busy, even though you did say in your bio that you're somewhat physically limited. I hope we get into that a little bit more in a second and third segment because I'm wondering how that affected you as a child. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we're actually going to talk to Megan more about her history and specifically about what it was like to go to school with a congenital heart defect in Australia when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. The most common theme that I hear is why. She always needed a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it helped me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern 
I'm Michael Eben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. to our show Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is One Heart Warrior's Educational Experience Down Under, and we're here with Megan Tones, a 34-year-old heart warrior. Now we're going to talk to her about what school was like. So Megan, do they have kindergarten in Australia? When did formal education begin for you? Yes, they do have kindergarten in Australia, and I started going when I was four to the Audley Kindy near my house. That was two days a week that I'd go to Kindy and I was a pretty quiet kid. That was just my personality, I think, you know, part of it was probably not having as much energy as other children, but I used to have such a great time with mum and dad at home that I kind of (laughs) didn't really want to go, but I had a few close friends there that I used to hang around with. I was pretty much like that at school. I had a few friends and there were things that we liked to do together. So at kindy, you know, I liked the Legos and painting and art. I I didn't like when it was time to tidy up and play outside quite so much. But on the whole, it was a good experience for me, I think. And um, of course, during that time when I was in kindergarten and preschool at the same place, I had my big surgery. Right. I don't remember so much about it beforehand, but mum said that I would go to kindy in the morning and I'd come home and I'd just go to sleep when I got home because I was so tired. Mm -hmm. I don't remember so much about that, but I do know from photos there was a huge difference before I went for my surgery and after. You know, I was a completely different colour. Really? Wow. So you must have been very blue before you went to surgery and then you were much pinker after? That's right. Actually, I should say I have a a VSD, but it's a a really big one. Mm -hmm. And so technology back then that we had available, my parents didn't get a diagnosis until I was about two. So when they started off with the pulmonary artery banding, the doctor told me much later on they weren't quite sure which way they were going to go. So they treated me like they would treat a child with a single ventricle. And then it wasn't until I was two that they saw that there was actually enough tissue to put a VSD patch in. So I was so lucky that they were able to do that. Yeah. You would have a totally different life, I imagine, if you would have had to go the other route. So this sounds like you had most everything done when you were still just a little one, just not even five years old, right? That's right. They'd done, I guess, the most important repairs before I was five years old, which was really good that they were able to do that. I mean, when I was 10, I started to have problems again. Yeah, the big surgeries were all done by the time I was going to school. So in those early years, did you ever feel bullied or singled out by the children, especially if you were so tired? 
I imagine you couldn't play like the other children could. Not really. I was pretty lucky, actually, as a kid. I've heard some terrible stories about other children with heart conditions being bullied. And, and quite frankly, I can't believe that other children would be so cruel like that. No one really made fun of me for having a heart condition. If, if anything, they seemed to be more fascinated. They would ask me questions about that sometimes. The only thing was that I was a pretty sensitive kid and sometimes I get upset really easily and sometimes kids would make fun at me for that. I don't know mm. if that was just my personality or if it was reflecting some of the stuff that I'd gone through with my surgeries and that kind of thing. But having said all of that, I really didn't like situations where my physical differences were really obvious. Sure. I really, really didn't like sports days. I would beg my parents, please don't make me do sports day. But uh, of course, that didn't work. And <laughs> I'd always have to get out there and try. Yeah, I can remember a, f a few situations where it was embarrassing for me, but no one made fun of me. Well, sure. Well, that's good that the kids didn't make fun of you. They just accepted you for who you were and I wish all the children would be like that. Like you, I'm just mortified when I hear of how unkind children can be to one another. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I used to see it at school with other children too. Some people would just be so mean to them. It was just awful. Yeah. Well, puberty is a difficult time for anybody, but oftentimes it's even more difficult for heart warriors. What was your experience during puberty? I was diagnosed with scoliosis when I was 12, so oh, no. puberty for me was about getting curves in all the wrong places. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so in regards to my heart, I don't think I was having so many problems with my heart, but I did obviously grow quite a bit, and in the end, I ended up weighing probably about 25% more than when I started, so that was obviously a, a bit of extra load for my heart, and I did notice that I had problems with fatigue and sometimes with arrhythmias as well, like I'd be sitting in class and my heart would race for like 20 minutes and then go back to normal, but probably at that time, the hardest thing for me was having to wear a back brace for three years. I really didn't like that at all. <laughs> Right, right. That would be really uncomfortable. I remember as a kid reading Judy Bloom's book, Deanie. Deanie, yes. Yeah. Yes. And she had to wear a brace. And I remember reading that story and feeling so sorry for her. It seems like you're familiar with that story as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't actually read that one till I was at uni. I didn't know about it, but it was a really good book. Mm -hmm. Judy Bloom wrote some fantastic books. So do you think she explained what it was like living with scoliosis in a realistic way? It's been a few years since I've read it. I think from memory, the, the girl in that story had one of those Milwaukee braces that went right up to the neck. So I didn't have right. one of those. Th those books, they were a little bit dated, but I think that the experiences were essentially the same. Mm -hmm. So the scoliosis, I'm hearing more and more heart warriors talking about that, aren't you? It seems like quite a few people who have congenital heart defects also end up with scoliosis. Yeah, yeah. The way that it was explained to me, and it makes a lot of sense, is with the scarring and the way that they stitch you up, it kind of pulls your body a bit in one direction. And I have that scar under my left arm from the pulmonary artery banding and the curve sort of goes to the opposite side. So I think that could have had something to do with it, but I'm not really sure 100%. 
but I think it's possible. So you wore a brace, and did that end up correcting your scoliosis? No, no, it wasn't actually designed to. All a back brace is meant to do, or at least at the time I had one, the one that I had, is to stop it from getting any worse. And I was, and my family was really worried about me having to have another operation because of all the stuff that had happened with my heart. I know a lot of women who have congenital heart disease also have surgery for scoliosis as well and they do okay but it wasn't something that my family wanted to put me through and I mean in some ways I think it would have been good to have the surgery but then if there'd been a problem with it it wouldn't have been worth it to have that I don't think. Right right the most important thing was your heart and the scoliosis was something that you could live with but the other possibility of compromising your health with another operation, I can see where your parents wouldn't want to go there if they didn't have to. So it seems like then the brace pretty much did what it needed to do in preventing you from having worse scoliosis. Yeah, I think it did. And I mean, the thing about surgeries too, particularly the kind that they were performing here back then, I don't know if it's changed now, but they don't correct it 100%. It's a bit like a heart operation, you know, it's a repair, but it's not like you wake up from your operation, you've got a totally normal straight spine. You've got a fusion there. Yeah, so it's like a repaired condition, and you have to be careful with that too. Sure, absolutely. So did the children at school, now by this point, they're teenagers or preteens, did they tease you for the brace that you wore? Could they tell that you were wearing a brace? Yeah, they could definitely tell, but I only remember one kid calling me fat, uh, (laughs) which wasn't very nice because... I mean, to me, when I put my brace on, I had a horrible time trying to find clothes to fit over the top. I I didn't like it at all. I did think, compared to before, it did make me look fat. (laughs) That was what I thought thought about (laughs) myself at the time. But on the whole, actually, the people that I went through in high school, most of them were actually really nice. I remember going on a school camp and the other girls were curious about it. They wanted to try my brace on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I think it, it was a good thing for them. Like they could then see what it was like to have to wear it. So, right. yeah, they're actually really nice about it. But I would have preferred not to have to wear it oh, because, you know, taking it on school camps, having to go out walking all day, wearing it in the heat. Oh, that would have been awful. Yeah, yeah. I actually got some horrible rash from having to wear it the whole time on a camp, which meant that I didn't have to wear my brace for a while, so I was happy about that. (laughs) So, yeah, lots of trips to the pool because the doctor told me if you're in water up to your neck in a swimming pool, you don't have to wear it. So I actually went to the pool a lot and <laughs> my my parents actually put in an above ground pool at home which was a big sacrifice for them but it made a huge difference and of course if you're the only kid with a pool everyone wants to come to your house of course, so right <laughs> so that that was fabulous that was really good Un- unfortunately we moved house a year later but at the time having that pool and I just changed schools and everything so it was a really good way for me to make some friends as well Well, talk about making lemonade from lemons. I love it. And I love how your parents were so supportive and understood how uncomfortable that must have been for you, especially in the summertime. And so what wonderful parents. I would love to meet your parents. We do need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, friends, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Megan a little bit more about her experience with school and life down under. We'll be right back. 
when I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me. Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our show. We have a great year planned and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics. Heart to Heart with Nicole and David, serving the ACHD community, Wednesdays at noon Eastern. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is One Heart Warrior's Educational Experience Down Under, and we are with Megan Tones. She's been sharing about what it was like for her going through the educational system. And I'm so happy for a change to hear that the children did not bully you and instead seem to be rather sensitive to your plight. That's really nice because a lot of times I've had people come on the show and it's been just the opposite. So we only have a few minutes left, Megan, but why don't you talk to me about what your high school experience was like? Because a lot of people tell me that school is fine until they hit high school and then all of a sudden the sports, the band, the physical activity, just moving from class to class, that's when they can start to see a real difference. It's quite interesting with high school. I didn't sort of notice too much of a problem probably till I got to about year 10 when the expectations on the students were a lot higher for homework and that sort of thing. And a couple of things that I do remember was that teachers would say that my notebooks were always really messy and disorganized and I seemed to have a little bit of trouble with organizing essays. Teachers had said I'd talk a lot about the details rather than the big picture. I also got some tests done when I was older with an occupational therapist because I was having a lot of difficulties with learning to drive. And Mm. I came out as having a couple of problems with working memory and visual scanning. So there are obviously some difficulties there that I was able to compensate for up to a point and I don't know if that was related to the surgeries I'd had and been on cardiac bypass or if that's just part of my neurological makeup that would have been that way anyway but I think I did have a couple of little learning problems that I was able to compensate for because at school I was lucky I was always one of the brighter kids and I was always known as a bit of a a nerd or something like that but I I think (laughs) I think that was something that really did help me to cope. I had friends with similar interests and all that sort of thing. So that that helped me to cope and get by in school. But I think that there were a couple of little challenges there. And the physical education was a problem. I mean, I didn't really enjoy it and I wasn't really motivated to do sports. I can appreciate for some children who really love sports and want to play, it must be really hard for them to have limitations. But I know in high school, I picked tennis specifically because I knew the teacher would let me sit under the tree and read a magazine with my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So you didn't actually play tennis? Not a lot. No. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, it sounds Um, like you knew how to pick the right class for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think one of the difficulties that I had with sports was that I did obviously have limitations, but I didn't really 
understand them very well. My doctor would just say, just do what you do, feel comfortable with. So, <laughs> okay. And the teachers didn't know if it was safe for me to play sport. I think they didn't really have much of an understanding. I had some teachers say, oh, well, you obviously need to exercise more because you're really unfit. And oh, heart condition, I thought they'd fix that. Oh. So there was a bit of a lack of understanding there. I know that the school would have been informed about my heart condition, but I think that it was just difficult to communicate that understanding and it was something that I didn't understand particularly well sure. myself and I guess back then people thought, even the doctors sometimes thought if you had the surgery, well, that was fixing it. Yeah, I've heard that over and over again from adults your age and some even a little bit younger than you that they were told they were fixed. Their mm. parents were told they were fixed. And so then when all of a sudden in their 20s or 30s or 40s, they start having problems, they're surprised because they mm. thought they were fixed. It sounds to me like you had an occupational therapist come in and do some evaluations and determine you had a few problems, but it sounds like you did a really good job of coping. So you do research, you said, for several different universities. That's correct. Okay, so did you go to college for that, or how did you get the training you needed to do that research? Yeah, I did. So I went to university, and I should say when I finished school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I had a part-time job in a shop, and I found that really exhausting to be on my feet all day. I was thinking a little bit about the things I had difficulties doing, I suppose, and I thought, well, I can't work in a restaurant or a shop my whole life. Right. I don't think I'd be able to do this. So I picked psychology because I thought it was interesting. That was really the only reason. There was no, no sort of big plan, and I was lucky to get into an honours year at, at university. So I got a grade point average of 5.6, I think, and you needed a 5.5. So it wasn't that I didn't work hard enough. I had real problems with fatigue, probably more so from about grade 10 onwards. So I, I did as much as I could, but I felt like if I had the energy to study more, I could have probably achieved better marks. But luckily... I was able to get into fourth year and do research training. And then through my contacts at the university, I signed up for a mentor program in third year and got placed with a researcher at a nearby hospital. And I was able to build work from that and just do a number of contracts in research work. So in that respect, I kind of fell into research there was no big plan and I'm just really lucky that it's a job that I've been able to continue doing because I can work from home sometimes and I think that I really do need those accommodations. Not everyone does, everyone's different, but for me being able to work from home sometimes is a huge help with the fatigue if I just don't have the energy to you know, sure. get out of bed early and get on the train that yeah. day. Absolutely. And you can probably be more productive being in your own home or you can rest when you need to instead of having to dash here and there and everywhere. That's right. Yeah, there, there is a lot of dashing here, there and everywhere. But yeah, it's good to be able to have one to two days a week at home if I need to. So what advice do you have for parents of heart warriors in Australia or anywhere for that matter? 
Well, actually, I got a really good piece of advice. There was a lady I worked with one time who had a background in inclusive education and she would always tell parents, she said, you're an expert in your child. If you've been raising them for five years before they go to school, that's a PhD right there. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess I can only say some things that really helped me personally. One of the best things my parents did for me was get a dog. That got me out of the house walking every afternoon. It's a big responsibility for a family to have a dog. There's vet's bills and supervising the children with handling the dog to make sure they're responsible enough and all that kind of thing. But for me, having a dog pretty much my whole life has been great for my physical activity with getting out every day. And another thing that my parents did, which I didn't really appreciate at the time, but I can look back on it and see how important it was, was to encourage me to be independent. So I would walk to school, like not every day, obviously, if I was really ill, they would drive me, but making my own way to school, making my own lunches, ironing my school uniforms. I found all those things tiring, but now that I'm an adult, I have nobody to iron my clothes or get me to work. Or, so it was all things. That, <laughs> it was all things to prepare me for adult life. Yeah. Of course, as a kid, you see other kids whose parents just gave them everything they wanted, and I'd think, oh, why can't my parents do that? But it wouldn't have set me up very well for adult life if they had. So I think encouraging the independence as much as possible because one day you do have to manage your own health and remember to take your tablets and all those sorts of things that that was something that did really help me in the long run even though I wasn't too happy about it at the time sure well those are excellent pieces of advice and I don't think it matters whether you are in Australia or the United States or Africa I think encouraging our children to be independent gives them the freedom to fly their own path and not be stuck in a dependent relationship where they can't be who they're meant to be so it sounds to me like your parents instilled a great love of animals so it's no great surprise you have four dogs since you had a dog since you were a child and and the independence has enabled you to live life as a professional which I think is just fabulous Mm. thank you thank you yeah yeah it was very good to always have animals growing up and my dad always had cats as a child he said we always had animals so it was a wonderful thing to have pets around I think I have three fur babies myself, so I couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're the greatest. They really make a home, I think. Oh, absolutely. And there's nobody who loves you the way your pet loves you. So I think that's really special. We have all rescue dogs, just like it sounds like you have rescue dogs as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they're the greatest. I mean, sometimes they can be a bit more work in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth it. Oh, I think so too. Well, I have just enjoyed this so much. Me too. It is on my bucket list to go to Australia and New Zealand since New Zealand is so close by. And when I do so, I hope I can meet you face to face. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll find some fun things to do around Brisbane. That sounds great. Well, that concludes this episode of Heart Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and follow our show on YouTube. And you can find my channel very easily by looking at my name, Anna Jaworski, J-A-W-O-R-S-K-I. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. 
Hearts Unite the Globe is a non-profit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.